it's kind of like that fancy gap thing. You know, you, you ever travel uh, 77 and you go down fancy gap or coming up or whatever and just something different about that. I mean, as soon as you get to the bottom, it's just blue skies and sunny and stuff like that. I, I don't know. And we've often talked about it. It's kind of like some spirit that's connected with that or something. Just, I don't know, just makes you feel so good to get down to the bottom of that hill. But then on the way back, it's gray skies and you know, just something about that. I don't know if you've traveled that much. You know, I, I used to live in North Carolina and we travel back and forth and stuff like that. And we're like, here we go. <laughs> We're going to West Virginia. There's always a dark cloud across West Virginia for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> but anyhow, what's that? Yeah, <laughs> it was. Aren't you glad you saved this morning? I am too. Don't ever get over that, okay? All right, Philippians chapter number 3. If I could have your attention for just a little while this morning, I just want to bring you a message out of Philippians chapter 3, and I hope it'll just be an encouragement to you. Uh, glad to see some of you back. Uh, you've been out for a little while, so it's good to see you back, and some we haven't seen in a little while, so it's good to see you as well. All right, Philippians chapter number 3, and let's read two verses for our text. Philippians chapter 3, and verse number 13, Paul says, Brethren... I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In verse number 13, Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now, I like to think of it this way, that reaching forth, he says in the passage there in verse number, uh, uh, verse number 14, he says, for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and that's our prize that we're heading towards. He is our pride. I like to think that Jesus Christ coming back anytime soon would be our prize today, wouldn't it? I'd like to think that that's something we can look forward to, and I believe that's something we ought to look forward to. We ought to look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. But if he tarries, you know what's going to happen to each and every one of us if he tarries long enough? We're not going to go by the way of the cloud first. We'll go by the way of the grave. That's how m many of us will go if the Lord tarries. And uh, if we go by the way of the grave, there's something we got to keep in mind. Uh, when you go by the way of the grave, you're not going to take what you've got with you. Uh, whatever you have, your possessions and things like that, you're not going to take it with you. Uh, you're not going to take anything with you. As a matter of fact, Job 1 and verse 21 says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. So in other words, you came into this world with your birthday suit on, and you're going to leave this world with your birthday suit on. You're not going to take your job. You're not going to take your house. You're not going to take your cars. You're not going to take your money. Nothing's going with you. The only thing that you're going to take with you is what you've done for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that will follow you. Now, we have the opportunity right now to go ahead and put some things over on the other side. Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse number 20, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So with each passing day, with each passing week, with each passing month and year and so forth and so on, we uh, leave some things behind us. We're to, we're to put those things behind us, all the pain, the sorrow and the problems that we've had and we're to look forward and we're to press forward according to our text because one of these days these things are going to meet us when we meet Jesus Christ. Now, when our Savior was crucified, He went away and He came back. And then when He left, He was seen of about 40 days, the Bible tells us. But then He ascended for that uh, final time. And when He went away, He left some things behind. Number one, first of all, He left eternal life to those who will believe. 
This morning, if you're not saved, Jesus left you eternal life if you'll only receive it. John 1.12 He also left the church which He purchased with His own blood. We call the church the body of Christ. The Bible says it's the body of Christ. The church is also the bride of Christ. God thinks highly of His church. He thinks highly of His bride so much that He died for it. He gave His life for it. And so when we go disrespecting His bride, I mean, wouldn't you mean if, if, if some guy disrespected your wife, I mean, wouldn't he be missing a tooth or two? I mean, I know, you know, the Christian thing to do is, let, okay, maybe it is. Maybe you're more holier than I am or whatever. I haven't knocked anybody's tooth out yet, I don't guess. I've had mine chipped a time or two, but I haven't knocked anybody's tooth out. But uh, but nothing the dentist can't fix and patch up and smooth out, right? But he loves the church in so much that he died for it. And so he died for the church. So you know what? If Jesus thinks that much of the church, then how much should you and I think of the church? If we're going to be like God and love the things that God loves, we ought to love one another. We ought to love the church. We ought to love the local church. Then when he went away, he left back, uh, behind a command for you and me to preach the gospel. You say, well, I'm a woman. I'm not supposed to preach. No, you preach. You just hide it really well at the house, don't you? You wives preach really good at home. (laughs) No, what I'm talking about is telling somebody about the gospel. That is preaching, telling somebody about the gospel. Now, whether, you know, being ordained behind the pulpit and preaching is another whole issue in and of itself and leading a congregation, that's, that's another thing. But we are commanded to take the gospel to the world. He left that command behind. Then he left behind the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter number 2, the Spirit of God came down and it empowered his disciples to do what God called them to do, which is to take the gospel, eventually take it to the whole entire world. And that commission is still today. You and I are still to take the gospel to the lost and the dying. You see, we've got gospel tracts out there in the the vestibule, or I was going to say the vestibule, out there in the hallway as you walk out to your right, as you walk out of the sanctuary. Pick up your handful, pass them out as you go to Walmart and Kmart and... Well, Kmart's no longer around, is it? I used to go through the marts and all that stuff, but I can't do that anymore because all these places are closing down. Uh, you know, you can't pass it out to Amazon and, and eBay and things like that. I guess you can put it in your bill if you send them a bill in. But anyway, we, we are commanded to, to take the gospel to the world. Put gospel tracks in the bills. And your utility bills, put them out there. Get the gospel out. Tell people about Jesus Christ. Isn't it sad that we've got the greatest news that, that has ever, this world has ever heard, but then we hide it? I mean, now, if you won a million dollars on some something stupid or something like that, you'd tell everybody, wouldn't you? Man, I won a million dollars, but all of a sudden we got eternal life and then we're just quiet about it. We can tell others. You say, well, I just, I'm not one of those. It's a, okay, well, maybe you're not one of those, but you sure don't mind talking about all the other stuff. Your favorite teams wins the basketball, wins the tournament, you go tell everybody. But that Jesus Christ died, buried, and rose again, I can't talk to people about that. Yeah, we understand that kind of Christianity. You know, you ought to grow to the point where you can. We realize that when you're a new convert, you can't. So he left behind eternal life. He left behind the church. He left behind a command. He left behind the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he left behind victory for saints. You and I have the victory this morning, whether we... Show it on our face or not. You know, you can put a smile on your face every now and then. It won't hurt you a bit. And so, uh, and so we've got victory. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, we have victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. You've got victory this morning. He said we are more than conquerors. You're more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than conquerors. How? Through Jesus Christ. You see, when He went away, He's seated at the right hand of God the Father, and He's alive and well today, and as long as He lives, you're going to live. You and I have the victory this morning. 
We have victory. When our Savior was crucified, He went away and He left these things for you and I and probably left a whole bunch more things. But now on the same token, when you and I die, there's some things that you and I should not want to leave behind. There's some things that you and I shouldn't want to leave behind. Uh, we shouldn't leave behind people doubting whether we're in heaven or not. When you take your last breath and they roll your body down before the, the, the altar there, wherever it's at, and people look at you, there should be no doubt in your family's mind where you're at. You ought to let them know. You know, the Bible says to let, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? So we ought to let others know that we're saved if we're saved. Don't let your wife or your husband or your kids wonder where you're at. I preach funerals in the past. I'll ask the kids, I'll say, well, where's mama at right now? And they have no clue. Well, you know, she watched preaching on TV, and but as far as that, we don't know much about further than that. That's a, that's a tough thing to handle to know, you don't know where mommy or daddy's at or our kids are at or where family members are at. Tell your coworkers that you're going to heaven. When you come to church and we have testimony time, hey, just stand up and say, I want to thank God for saving me. Let everybody know that you're saved. Don't let people doubt whether or not you're saved. That's something you ought not leave behind is doubt in the minds of people of whether or not you're saved. You know what? When they roll your, your body down here, people ought to walk by and say, if anybody's in heaven, that man or that woman right there is in heaven. That's what they ought to be able to say. We ought not leave behind problems, should we? <laughs> when you leave out of here, we ought not leave behind problems. Well, what problems? Well, there's a whole bunch of problems. We could talk about gossiping. That causes problems, don't it? People talking about others and things like that constantly. Listen, you know what? We ought to not leave that kind of thing behind. At our funeral, are you going to be known as a, go- a gossip? I wouldn't want to be known as a gossip. Uh, a woman came to John Wesley and said this, Mr. Wesley... My talent is to speak my mind. And looking into the face of the woman, Mr. Wesley said, I'm certain that God wouldn't care at all if you buried that talent. And see, when God's people unhinge their tongues and give other others a piece of their mind, they have no peace of mind to give anyway, you see. And so that's what John Wesley was getting at. So we ought not leave behind problems like that. Number three, we ought not leave behind anything that's undone that should be done. You know, the preacher said years ago, he said, if something's worth starting, then it's worth finishing. And so we ought to finish what we, what we start. Uh, one day I started in the ministry and I intend to finish the ministry. Now, whether or not I finish out being a pastor or whatever that is, that's up to God. That's not up to me. But I want to finish out by the grace of God in the ministry, preaching, preaching, preaching. There was a church member to asked her pastor, could you please tell me in a word what your idea of consecration is? And holding out a blank sheet of paper, the pastor replied, it is to sign your name to the bottom of this blank sheet of paper and let God fill in as He wills. See that? That's the way it ought to be. What does God want for my life? Well, I'll tell you what. Just take a piece of paper at the bottom of it, sign it and say, God, you fill it in. You show me what you want. And at the end of the day, that's what will make Jesus Christ happy. It's true, whether it be good or bad, that each and every one of us will leave some things behind when we die. Can I preach a message entitled this morning, Things I'll Leave Behind? I want to preach a message, Some Things I'll Leave Behind. Just give me just a few minutes here. And I hope to try to encourage you. Number one, I want to leave behind a good testimony. That's what I want to leave behind. I want to leave behind a good testimony. The Bible talks about Enoch. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11:5, By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. 
Enoch had the testimony that he pleased God. Well, it's impossible without faith to please God, isn't it? And so we ought to have the testimony to please God. There was another fellow in the Bible by the name of Abraham. The Bible says in Hebrews 11:8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went. And the verse goes on there. But you know what Abraham had? He had the testimony that he obeyed God. If you're going to please God, you're going to obey God. If you're going to please God, it's going to be by faith. Each one of those, it says, by faith Enoch, by faith Abraham. And it's going to be by faith you or I have a good testimony when it comes to serving God. I want to leave behind the testimony that I served God. I want to leave behind the testimony that I loved God, that I at least tried to do something. It's not that maybe I did it perfect. It's not that I did it well all the time, but my mind and my heart's mindset is that I'm going to do something for God whether I mess it up or not. Because God doesn't put on me to always have to have perfect quality or even quantity. He just says go and He'll do the rest. He'll fill in the rest. Man, I've messed up more times than I care to even admit. But you know what? God continues to bless in spite of it. You see, because God looks on the heart. He looks on the inside, doesn't he? That's where God looks. He looks on the heart of a man. And that's what he looks at there. And he's going to look at that thing and he's going to judge it based upon your heart. I want to leave behind the testimony that I served and loved God. I like what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 7. He said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. See, that's the key to the thing at the end of the day. When we take our last breath, did we keep the faith? So many people nowadays are just falling out by the wayside. They're giving up. They're throwing in the towel. But I want to have the testimony that I want to keep going for the glory of God. That I want to finish and I want to finish well. And you ought to want to finish well also. I want to have a good testimony. I want people to see that with God's help I finish strong. That when this life is over, I have finished my course and I too can say I have kept the faith. You know, Paul said in Romans chapter number 14 and verse 16, let not then your good be evil spoken of. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about your testimony. Don't let people talk bad about you. You see, because that's, you're making your, your walk is your testimony. That's what that is. And so you're, you're forming an opinion in the hearts and the minds of other people. And I realize that we can't control a lot of that stuff, but you just keep doing right. You keep doing good. And the Bible says to faint not. And then you let God take care of the rest on that thing. But don't give people a room to even talk about your testimony bad of it. I mean, if they're going to talk, talk good. Nowadays, you and I have got to go the extra mile to protect and guard our testimony, don't we? We live in that day. It's no longer, we're no longer living in the day where, you know, you could just shake a man's hand and he'd lend you enough money to buy a house or a car. Those days are long gone. Now you're going to, what you're going to do is you're going to go to the bank and you're going to fill out paperwork as thick as that book right there and you're going to sign on the dotted line every page, every page, every page. I mean, you know what I'm talking about if you've bought a home in the past 20, 30 years, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you go to buy a home and you borrow the money. I mean, they're going to, I mean, you're signing your life away for that thing and they're going to make sure to it, you know. And what they want nowadays, they want 20 or even 30% down on that stuff. So, you know, it's no longer just shake on the deal. It's like Gomer said, what was it? His mommy and daddy, when they got married, they just shook on the deal, didn't they? You know, that's what they did. They just shook on that deal. You don't shake on the deal anymore. Nowadays, if you go get married, you want to see birth certificate. You want to make sure that the boy that you're marrying is a boy. You want to make sure the girl that you're marrying is a girl. And then maybe it might even get to where you might want to ask the parents to see some baby pictures, you know, just to make sure there's not been any changes since birth, you know. You just never know the day we live in. I mean, it's it's gone crazy nowadays. Listen, it's still right for a boy to marry a girl and a girl to marry a boy. 
It is a husband and a wife. It's not a husband and a husband. It's not a woman and a woman. It's not that at all. Uh, we got it all backwards. Anyway, I don't know how I got on all that. But if there's anything we're guilty of, it should be the fact that we're guilty of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. That ought to be our testimony. Well, they serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I came to the church yesterday. I got here, I don't know, somewhere around 8 uh, o'clock, 9 o'clock, something like that. And there was this little package on the door. And uh, it's, 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 so, it's so funny because people want to try to correct you and stuff like that when they know you're wrong. And there's a little package, or when they feel like you're wrong. But anyway, there's a little package. It was I saw I, there was like books in it, like three or four books and some typed up stuff and all that. And, and I, I, when I took the books out, I saw uh, L and G White and I automatically knew what that was. And I automatically knew exactly where it went in file and trash cans, where that goes. That's that Seventh Day Adventist stuff, you know. But, you know, that's brazen to come on church property like that and just want to do that, you know. But, you know, they were very respectful. They said to the pastor, the servant of God. And I thought, well, what a great thing that is, you know, a great testimony that I don't agree with the Seventh-day Adventist at all whatsoever, uh, but, you know, but still yet at least there's people that still have respect for other people. I mean, I may not agree with you, you may not agree with me, but we can have respect for one another. I may not agree with the Muslim down the street, but we can have respect toward one another. I mean, we can't be fighting one another all the time. we got to live in the same communities. There's got to be some kind of thing where you just say, you know what, I don't agree with your with, with your Bible, with your religion, but I can still respect you. You gotta have a balance to that stuff right there. People go all bonkers and crazy nowadays that if you don't agree with them, they're ready to kill you. Really? I mean, politics has taught us that, hasn't it? Well, you don't agree with me? Okay, well, I'll just kill you. And then they'll have to put in some liberal something other in their position anyway. But, you know, what we ought to have is we ought to have a good testimony. The day that you and I check out of here, that we go out of here by the way of the grave, people ought to be able to say something good about you. What a sad thing it is that the preacher would get up and he's like, well, I just, I don't have anything good to say about him. I mean, you know, I, you try to not to lie, right? <laughs> Trying to say anything bad. You don't want to lie. I don't have you. I used to have a thing like that. You know, live your life so the preacher doesn't have to lie at your funeral. And I used to have that hung up in my office for a little while. And it ought to be that way. You know, we ought to leave behind a good testimony. Then number two, some uh, things that we're going to leave behind. Let's leave behind a stand for the word of God. That we stood for the word of God. Philippians 2 and verse number 16 says this. In Philippians 2 verse number 16, he said, Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So as we go along, we're holding forth the word of life, the word of God. We're holding it forth. Why? So that as we're pressing forward, one day we can rejoice. And that day is said to be the day of Christ. I want people to know that I stood for that old black-backed King James Bible. Whether they agree with me on my stand about the Bible or not, I don't care less. I could care less. The only thing that I want them to know is I stood on the Word of God. That's what I want them to know. I want them to know that I believed the Word of God, every Word of God, not just the parts that I agree with, but the parts that I don't agree with, right? Yeah, uh, the, not just the, 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 the parts that are in bold letters, but also the parts that are in italicized letters. Amen to that. We've been preaching on that lately. I want them to know that I stood for the old rugged cross, the message of the cross of Calvary. I want them to know that I stood for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that I preached salvation through the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary and that alone. I want them to know that I took a stand whether sometimes I was right or whether sometimes I was wrong. And if you don't uh, do, if you don't stand for something, the old song says there that you'll fall for anything, right? And that's probably true. At least somebody's standing for something. Nowadays everybody's wishy-washy. They don't know what they believe. They don't even know. You know, but I'm 
glad that God has taught me and shown me what I believe and I'm going to stand on it. I'm sure one day I'll get to the judgment seat of Christ and God will say, well, you were wrong on this, you were wrong on this, you were wrong on that. I'm not gullible enough to believe that I'm perfect. Well, listen, none of us are perfect in that sense there. We all don't have it all down. But with what God has shown me and led me, I believe this 100% that this is the Word of God. And I thank God for a group of people here near Oakville, West Virginia, that still wants the truth rightly divided. The people showed up on a cold, snowy, slash rainy, slash icy Sunday morning at 11 o'clock to hear some preacher like me get up and preach the Word of God and say that when I check out of here... I want to leave behind the fact that I stood on the Word of God. I want them to know that I put into practice the Word of God in my life. I don't want people to rightfully accuse me of something that I haven't done or that something I've done. I don't want them to to prove to them that they're right, that I'm a big full-blown hypocrite. I'm trying to get my words out this morning, but, but nonetheless, what I'm trying to say is that I want to leave behind a testimony that I stood for the Word of God. I want to leave behind the truth. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you well, there's some things that you're going to leave behind. And it, the choice is up to you and I as to what we're going to leave behind. We can leave behind a mess behind us. We can leave behind hurt and pain and all those things where we've hurt people. Or we can try to do right and then put those things behind when we goof up and move forward to the glory of God. But I want to leave behind a good testimony. And I want to leave behind the fact that I stood on the Bible rightly divided. We ought to all want to stand on the Word of God. I know we got people that, you know, they say, well, they brag on it, don't they? Well, I take a stand for this and take a stand for that and take a stand. And you know what? Sometimes you just got to say, oh, shut up. Just don't talk about your stand. Just stand. Too many people brag about taking a stand. Well, just stand. Everybody will see it, right? I mean, we got too many people bragging about what they do, about this and that. Listen, you don't have to brag about it. Just stand. They'll see it eventually. So there's some things we're going to leave behind. Number three, uh, there's something else I want to leave behind. I want to leave behind people that I have pointed to Jesus Christ. I want to leave behind people that I have pointed to Jesus Christ. Paul says this in Revelation, or excuse me, uh, John says this in Revelation 14, 13. I have heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. And their works do follow them. Now, I realize what the doctrinal implication of that is or application of that is. I understand what that is. That's a tribulation saint is who it's talking about. But nonetheless, the spiritual truth is there for you and I that what you do right now is what is going to follow you to heaven. That's the work that's going to follow you. And one of the things I want to follow me is the fact that I've pointed people to Jesus Christ. My desire is for people after me to die in the Lord. Why? Because of maybe something that I've done. That, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to be arrogant or prideful or anything like that. I'm just trying to simply say that we all have a desire to take as many with us as we can. That's our, that should be our desire. God has allowed us to lead a few people to the Lord. And when we leave this earth, I want to leave people behind that I have won to Jesus Christ. Paul even says something similar to that. He said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse number 19, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? Paul is talking about these people. They are his crown. They are his joy. He's talking, they're his jewels is what they are. And they're going to follow him to heaven one of these days. My desire is to win souls to Jesus Christ. We talked about the track rack out there. We ought to grab some tracks. That's one of the easiest ways to witness. You say, well, I can't talk to people. Well, you don't have to. Let the track do the talking for you. It's called a track. You know, it follows unsaved people wherever they go. And that's what it ought to do. And what a great work to be able to point people to Jesus Christ. When 
when you and I die, we'd like for people to say, I'm going to heaven because so-and-so gave me the gospel. Everybody here this morning is sitting in these pews saved because somebody gave you the gospel. Somebody gave you the truth. Somebody told you you were going to hell and if you didn't get saved, that's where you'd spend eternity. But you trusted Jesus Christ and now you're no longer on your way to hell. Why? Because somebody pointed you to Jesus Christ. When I check out of here one day, I want to know that I have pointed some folks to Jesus Christ. In Psalm 126 and verse 6, He that goeth forth weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Proverbs 11.30 said, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. You want some wisdom? You want to be said to be wise? He that winneth souls is wise. When's the last time you've witnessed to somebody? When's the last time that you've invited somebody to church? I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help to make sure that you can have some fair, uh, some fruit to bear when you stand before Jesus Christ. I want to leave behind my preaching and my teaching tapes. I want to leave behind that kind of ministry. I mean, of course, we talk about a tape ministry. That was when I first got in the ministry, the tapes and cassettes. And then now it moved on from that to CDs. And I don't know, very few people use CDs nowadays. Now it's they're streaming it, they're downloading it and stuff like that, playing it through devices and all of that. And so if you've got a CD, that little shiny round disc thing, then you're becoming obsolete nearly. <laughs> it's still there, it's still there. But nonetheless, I mean, nowadays you're buying vehicles and now a lot of them don't even have a CD player in it. They really don't. So it's, it's heading that way. I mean, it's technology's going that way, whether we like it or not. So we've kind of incorporated some of that into our ministry for sure, where you can go online and listen to the Sunday messages and you can download them from, from online. But, but you see, we're heading in that direction. But I want to leave that ministry behind. I want to leave the ministry. I want to leave my sermon outlines behind. Hey, they ain't worth much, but, but you know, <laughs> but anyway, at least maybe somebody can get a little something out of it somewhere along the way. Maybe some preacher or maybe God will call my son to preach one day. Maybe he can use my outlines. And he'll be like, whoa, that's a mess. Let's scratch that out. But anyway, you know, but I want to leave that behind. I want to leave behind a sound, balanced library of books. I still like to read occasionally. Nowadays, people are going to their electronic device and they're reading all the time. I still like to open up a book. I still like open up a Bible and reading from the Bible, not from a device that all they have to do is just say, well, your freedom of speech is taken away. Zap. Or we'll just change the Bible so that you can't get King James. Or they'll think you got King James on there, but it's really NIV, New American Standard, or any other 200, 300 versions on the market. I mean, you know, so we've got it physically in our lap. They can't take that away unless they come into my house. Then they're going to have to take the guns away if they come in there. So, you know, they're going to take away a lot of things in order to get there. But anyway, that's okay. We'll make it. (laughs) What we want to do is we want to leave behind people that we have pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to leave behind a ministry that has counseled and tried to help some folks along the way. Maybe some folks have had some financial troubles, some marital problems, or some, uh, some, uh, you know, just whatever problems they may have. They show them that God God, through Jesus Christ, can fix any problem they've got. He may not take them out of the problem, but He might help them through it. I want to help get people through difficult times. I want to leave that behind. I want to leave behind some singing that exalts Jesus Christ. As I've gotten older and, and I preach and I, I sing more and things like that, I've, I, my voice ain't there like it used to be. It's just not the same. I find it hard to, sometimes to reach down and just get a grunt out. 
so that I can preach or talk, you know. I'm getting like that. I don't know. Something's changing in my voice for sure. But, but you know, we'll do the best we can with what we've got. But I want to leave behind some singing that's exalted Jesus Christ. I want to leave behind the fact that we still can shout and praise Jesus Christ in a day that where people are not shouting and praising Jesus Christ. I want to leave behind my labors of building a Bible-believing work. That's what I want to do. I want to leave behind my labors of building a Bible-believing work that I've come along and built on someone else's work and then after me, someone else can come along and build on top of the work that I have built. And that's the way it works. It goes back to Jesus Christ and then Paul builds on what Jesus Christ did. And then somebody else built on Paul and then somebody else built on that and all the way down to right here today where I'm building on the, the legacy of what Paul and Jesus Christ foundation had laid. I want to leave a testimony behind that I preached and taught the truth in a Laodicea church age where people don't want the truth rightly divided, where they're rejecting it. And if you don't believe me, then you ought to, you ought to teach and preach a few times. And you'll see, I'm not talking about anybody in the church whatsoever. I don't have any problems with anybody in the church, but I'm, I'm living in a day where there's more heresy out there than I care to even give credit to. I mean, you go online and that's your first mistake going online trying to find doctrine. Don't Google doctrine. I mean, what's Google know? Now, everybody's phone just went off, didn't it? Because I said the key word. (laughs) That was aggravating. You know, you got your phone sitting there and then the TV commercial says the key words and it kicks your phone on. (laughs) You know, how can I help you? (laughs) It's the craziest thing. They're watching us. (laughs) Uh, What good does truth do for my church if I don't preach it? Thank God for the truth. Then there's something else I want to leave behind. Number four, when I take my last breath and I check out of here, I want to leave behind a missing person's police report. Isn't that something? You know, Enoch went missing. In Genesis 5 and verse number 24, the Bible said, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. In Hebrews eleven five, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. You know, they looked and they looked and they searched and they searched for that old boy, but they never could find him. You want to know why? Because God took him. It didn't matter how many police reports they put out on him or whatever, they wasn't going to find him. It was evident that people looked for him. I mean, you know what? Some of you, y'all are younger, y'all probably don't know what this is, but you older ones will know. But you know what? They could put my face on a milk carton and they ain't going to find me. You know, uh, they could put, they could put out a, I don't guess they do amber alerts for 49 year olds, do they? But, uh, they could put out an amber alert for me and, uh, <laughs> I guess that's just for kids. Do they do it for adults too? Oh, silver alert. Okay. See, I'm learning now. Silver. Well, isn't that something? I guess that's why, right? I don't know. I'll have to look into that. They put out a silver alert. I don't know. They, do they put your name above that thing on the interstate on a silver alert? You know, it's got the amber alert. You know, they've got them up there. I don't, I just wondered. We're just having a conversation now, right? That's all. It's okay. Do yourself no harm. But you know what? They can put us on a missing police report, but they're not going to find us. When Jesus Christ comes back, we're gone. We're in heaven, and there ain't no place to be found as far as they're concerned. They're not going to find us. Some people go missing, and then they're soon forgotten, aren't they? You know what Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes? He said, uh, and so I saw the wicked buried and who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. You know what that means? That means probably somewhere around a 100 years after you and I are dead and gone, ain't nobody going to remember us. 
You know, we're talking about all this. We're worried about our looks. We're worried about how people perceive us. A hundred years after you're gone, ain't nobody going to care anyway. I remember uh, years ago, I was doing a... See, I preached a funeral. I'm trying to think where it was. But I was preaching a funeral somewhere, and it was an old cemetery. And it was like... I mean, it was like 1700s, you know, where people were uh, buried there. And I was just walking around. I was just reading some of the things. And some of them had the, the barely you could read some of them. And then some of them had like epitaphs and stuff like that. And, uh, and so I was going around and I was looking at them. And I thought to myself, I thought, I wonder if anybody knows that person right now. I wonder if anybody can say, oh, yeah, I remember them. I remember they used to love to go hunting and fishing. And, and they used to love to read books. and used to love... I just wonder. But I doubt it. I doubt people that knew them were long gone. A hundred years after you and I are gone, nobody's even going to care. They probably aren't even going to remember our name. Don't get so wrapped up into this world. But you see, I'm not concerned if people remember me a hundred years after I'm gone. I'm concerned about those that are not saved at my funeral. That's what I'd be more concerned about. You know, because when at my funeral, I, you know what? I know people say, well, the funeral it's not supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to have church service at the funeral. I, I, I've got criticized over the years for that. I'm going to give the gospel. Because you're talking about a time of death on people's minds and hearts. That's the greatest time to be able to reach out and comfort somebody because of their hurting. Because Jesus Christ can comfort that person. And I, so I, I, I pray that the way that I live may draw some sinner or friend or family member to Jesus Christ. You see, because when we check out of here, we're going to have a missing police report, but we want to be able to leave the testimony behind. We want to be able to know that we have pointed people to Jesus Christ even after we're gone. Isn't that something? Affect people beyond the grave. People usually don't remember you for the way you died, but they'll always remember you for the way you live. These are just a few things that I wanted to leave behind. I want to leave behind a church that continues to take the truth and the gospel to our community, to our area. There's still those that need to be saved. There's those out there that need a Bible-believing church even right here near Oakville. You know what Paul said, and I'm closing. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 7. He said, So that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of, of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. What was Paul saying there? He was commending them. He was telling them that your testimony, the word that, that, that you're, the way that you're serving the Lord has went, reached out far out. He says from Thessalonica to Macedonia, that's about 128 miles. And then from Thessalonica to Achaia, that's over 300 miles. Their testimony reached out that far. That's 321 miles on foot, horse, camel. We're not talking about cell phone, internet. We're not talking about social media where we can send messages around the world. We're talking about in a day when it was limited, reached out over 300 miles. Their testimony. Can I ask you something this morning? How's your testimony? You got a good one? How far does it reach? We're not trying to have a competition, but I'm just simply trying to say, how is your testimony? Is it a good one? How far does it reach? Does it reach out at all? Does it reach beyond this church? Does it reach out beyond this town, this county? Does it reach beyond the state? I don't know. Some people's does. What kind of testimony do you have that reaches out? Do you have a testimony that reaches out that says that you're a faithful servant of the Lord? I think that's most important. You see, if Jesus Christ tarries and one day our body is going to be laid to rest, and on that day will your testimony reach beyond the grave? I close with this. 
Years ago, there was a man that passed away who lived in an ex, he lived an extraordinary useful life. Many people were interested in knowing something of the motives which he had impelled the person to an unselfish pursuit of opportunities for doing good. A clue was discovered when someone found in one of his pockets the following poem, crumpled and underscored and embroidered with marginal notes. It said this, The clock of life is wound but once, and no man has the power to tell just when the hands will stop at late or early hour. Now is the only time you own. Give, love, toil with a will. Place no faith in tomorrow, for the clock may then be still. You're not guaranteed of tomorrow. You're only guaranteed of right now. So let's press forward now. Leave the things behind. Let's all bow our heads.